It's show 132 of the Rim Pro Report. Today, we talk to Ken Schneider of Permastore, and we'll get you caught up on the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. If you're on your way to the Nade Conference in Nashville today or tomorrow, this will be a great opportunity to catch up with them and see what they're doing. You need to ask them about their RM Bridge and see all the ways they can help you in your rim business or if you're in the shredding business now and you're potentially looking to add records, records management, information management to your suite of services, you better check them out. So look for the O'Neill team at the conference in the trade show area or you can learn more about them at O'Neillsoft.com. Let's say we spring into the show. Welcome to the Rim Pro Report, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim support services industry, bustling with news, views, and the latest updates. This show is full of interesting information. So take notes. Now here's your host, Tom yep, Adams. Yep, 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 yep. It's me. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Spring officially showed up yesterday, though for many it certainly didn't look like spring. Safe travels if you're on your way to Nashville. If you are not heading there, I hope you are well and thriving. As mentioned last week on the show, today we are planning on having Richard Reese join us. His schedule was pretty complicated this week in his last official days at Iron Mountain, so we've scheduled to have him next week on the show if all goes well. That means there's still time to wish him well as he retires. We've left the recording hotline open for you to just do that. So look on the Rim Pro Report website for those details. Today I'm grateful to have Ken Schneider, the CEO of Permastore, the makers of the infamous turtle case on the show. As I tour vaults all over the country, turtle cases are everywhere. I've known Ken and Alan O'Regan from Permastore for a long time, so I wanted to learn more about the Permastore story and the industry perspective that I think Ken would bring us today. So we'll get him on the line shortly, but before we do, let's get caught up on the latest industry news. Corporate Records Management of Dallas, Texas has acquired Security Archives of Dallas. Security Archives provide a record storage, magnetic media, and shredding services. The acquisition will be consolidated into CRM's Dallas facility. So congratulations to Mike and Denise Chatama, as well as Don Keller on this acquisition. An interesting study and survey from Meritalk and Iron Mountain uncovered the fact that federal agencies in the U.S. are overspending on records management. Agency overspend their budgets by 17%, the survey found. These are crazy numbers. Each agency spends on average $34.4 million per year on records management costs. And everything indicates it's going to keep going up. So when do you think the federal government will learn that outsourcing their records and information management requirements will be a way to actually decrease their costs? Hmm. As it relates to certifications, looks like ARMA is adding an interesting new program called the Information Governance Professional Certification. To obtain certification, there are clear eligibility requirements based on education and experience, as well as a timed 140-question multiple-choice test. The six major competencies in this new program are addressing managing information risk and compliance, developing an information government strategic plan, developing an information governance framework, establishing the program and its business integration and oversight, and then finally aligning technology with information governance frameworks. And if that's of intrigue to you or of interest, you can learn more about it at the ARMA website. 
Well, that's all the news I have for now. If you've got anything you want to share, let me know. Probably some stuff will happen at Nade this weekend, so I'll try and bring that back to you next week. Alrighty, I'm going to get Ken Schneider on the line. Hold tight while I do. Ken Schneider is the CEO of Permastore, the maker of the Turtle Case product line. Ken is an active participant in the data protection industry, and I wanted to have him on the show to chat about his perspectives in the industry as well as his story. Ken, welcome to the RIM Pro Report. Hey, Tom, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Let's start with Permastore and your Turtle Case products. For anyone who doesn't know the company, give me an overview of the company, your products, and your services. You know, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward role we, we play in the market, right? We provide products for transport and storage of critical data, whether it be on tapes, disks, or, or even paper documents. Started off selling cases primarily for tapes, moved into disks, and and special cases for paper documents. We sell uh, fireproof safes, racks, cabinets, that kind of thing. Pretty much anything to protect media in a physical form. Okay. Uh, We know you in this industry because you show up at the conferences and you always have a booth and you're exhibiting and your turtle cases are there. But for the context of this discussion, do you sell your turtle cases to more than just the commercial data vaults and the kind of what I would consider a reseller market? Are you selling also to uh, large companies that have their own internal vault management systems and a whole bunch of other stuff direct direct to consumer let's call it we really sell everything through distribution with some okay. very small exceptions now okay. half i don't know half's not the right word it's probably you know, it's close enough to half and half we look at it that tapes and hard drives are you know spending their lives in in one of two places really right either in a data center which is sort of their home or in an off-site storage in a vault right we sell through the the record centers for those tapes that are going to end up in a vault, but we also sell to data centers through their typical media channels. So we sell okay. basically through, so more or less, we sell through the businesses that sell other products to data centers as well. So our cases are going to get to the data center either via the commercial record center or through their typical media channel. Yeah, where where they buy their backup tapes or their backup media, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that yeah. was well said. Yeah, okay. Much simpler than me. <laughs> no, I just wanted to make sure I understood it. So let's dig back into your own business experience. Tell me your story before you got to Permastore. Well, it's kind of a fun, interesting road. I, I started literally in the tape and diskette business. I was a tech service engineer at, at 3M back uh, when 3M was still in the in the data storage business. And I started in tech service, and I literally, you know, my job was to go out and work with sales reps and work with customers uh, when something was wrong, right? So if someone had a problem, they couldn't read their tapes, or they were having too many errors or whatever, I'd go out and try to figure out uh, what the issues were. Uh, And then I moved into a more of a development role and, you know, ran some teams that worked with IBM and uh, developing new formats when tapes were getting thinner and those types of things. And then I slid over into into marketing, which kind of eventually led into e-commerce roles at uh, at GE Capital. I was more like a, a product management side of things with with some product development there as well. Hmm. And ended up, you know, sort of half IT, half marketing in that role. And then I ended up moving over to Best Buy, and I worked in the IT group there in a similar role, but I was actually housed in IT 
but primarily worked with the business people in the business intelligence area. So we were trying to help them figure out, you know, ways to use the mountain of data that they collected at the at the registers uh, in order to put the right stuff, buy the right stuff, and sell the right stuff to the right people at the right price, all that kind of thing. Huh. That's very interesting. So, like, I mean, that connection from GE Capital into Best Buy being in business intelligence, was that a logical path or was that sort of an inadvertent path? Uh, I would say sort of inadvertent in the sense that I certainly would have never planned it, you know, five years previous, right? Where I, I, I would say I had sort of a master plan, right, to get into more business product management, marketing type right. roles, which I took on at, at GE. But this one was you know, Best Buy local company here in the Twin Cities. And it was just one of those kind of deals that was too good to, to turn down, not so much just from a money standpoint, but from a, it sounded really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Very interesting. So how did you get then from Best Buy to Permastore? What was the connection there and how did you end up in, in that uh, company or did you start Permastore? No, we didn't uh, start Permastore, but we it's I, I kind of came full circle, really. What led me to, to Permastore was my relationships back in the 3M days. So hmm. having a beer with a with a buddy and and talking about working for big companies, right? I worked at 3M, GE and Best Buy, right? Big Huge companies. Companies. Yeah. Yep. And and good companies, but you know, so we were bitching and moaning a little bit and thought, God, wouldn't it be neat to do our own deal and uh, Alan O'Regan, one of my partners, had been doing some consulting work for Permastore, and we had used Permastore back when we were at 3M in the tape business, and he knew that Permastore was for sale, and back in 2004, we, we bought the company. Oh, wow. So you came into the company 2004, you bought it from the existing owners, and then that's when you sort of said, okay, let's make this thing happen. Because obviously, if they're selling it, there was transition requirement for them. There was, you know, and it is the classic entrepreneurial story, right? Hmm. A, a gentleman that started this company back in 87, I believe it was. Yeah. Great ideas, not a, a real disciplined business person. Hmm. And, gal, he built a brand and he built a, a nice niche, but, you know, he didn't have expertise in you know, distribution channels and global distribution and some of the other things that were going on in the, I'll say, IT space or market. And so it was kind of a perfect time to to take it to another level. And, and fortunately, that's kind of what we did. Very cool. That sets the foundation, I think, for a little bit about what I want to talk to you about, because uh, you, you obviously live and breathe in this world, and you've been doing it for a long time now, the IT data protection world where you're providing products, but you look at it from a different angle than I think a lot of other people do. To me, there's this never-ending discussion in the data world about the rise and fall of the media tape. From your perspective and the way you look at it, what are you seeing? Well, what I'm seeing, I guess, is I started... You know, back in 1987 or so, when I started, we were just moving from round reels of tape to uh, to the cartridges, and people have been skeptical of tape forever, right? Yeah. yeah. But it grew and grew and grew, and you know, established this role of backup. And then about four years ago, I'll say, you know, I started to see a little decrease in tape usage as a whole bunch of factors really kind of all lined up at once. Deduplication, where 
people were were able to not put so much repetitive information in their databases and in their storage that ultimately ended up on tapes. The drastic capacity increases of tape. Right. The fact that people learned how to use the whole tape rather than just the first few feet of tape. So back when I started, there were thousands of tape with, you know, only two feet of used, you know, space on them. So all those things reduce the number of tapes required. Right. And then the whole pendulum swing towards disk-based backup, and you really ended up with, you know, some stress on the tape unit market. You know, I see the pendulum clearly is coming back to the middle now. People have understood, well, gee, you know, disk isn't perfect for all of these things and has a number of issues of its own. Disk isn't going away from the backup market at all. But last quarter, the fourth quarter of 2012, actually showed tape unit increase for the first time in about, I want to say, like 14 quarters or something. Wow. Wow. So there's been money spent, right? So if you look at dollars, it's it's not, it wouldn't be quite as dramatic. But as far as tape cartridge units, yeah, that was the first uh, uptick in a while. So you know, it isn't just a, a feeling that the pendulum's swinging back. I mean, there's there's data to to prove it. Yeah. So it it seems to me the connection to your business intelligence days at Best Buy allows you to look at these kind of leading indicators. Sounds like how many tapes are being purchased uh, is something that you watch. What other leading indicators do you watch that help you to sort of make business decisions around your unique product line, but are also probably helpful to our industry in general? That's a good question because it's the business intelligence data you talk about with Best Buy where you had just mountains of data coming from that cash register every day. Right. And so clearly I'm in a different world here, but we obviously make decisions based on data. That's always been you know, a tenant of mine. And so when I think about what we watch, clearly tape unit market, but the types of formats. Now it's interesting, anybody you know in the industry now knows that LTO tapes have just really come to dominate the tape market. When we bought the business in 2004, DLT was was a big format. LTO, they were equal. Right. Four millimeter, eight millimeter, you know, the 3490, 3590, storage tech tapes, all that kind of right. stuff. Right. So that was a big thing we had to watch is which formats were growing and shrinking and those types of things. In all honesty, that part of the decision has gotten a little easier with the dominance of, of LTO uh, in the marketplace. But there's other things. The slotted versus case storage, so the tendency for people to want to pull tapes and store them in vaults out of the case or in the case obviously dictates both the volumes that we're going to sell, but how people use our cases. Right. And backup versus archive, as tape seems to be moving into more of an archive role. Not, It's still that, that final resting place for the physical backup, so the backup isn't going away, I don't think, entirely but there's clearly more of an archival role. So that dictates some things, right? In some ways, it makes the tape market seem a little more like the paper market right. from a, uh, you know, not a care and handling side so much, but in a, how the cases are used and stored and that kind of thing. Right. And then the only other thing I, I, was, I would mention is the value of the data on a tape. So one of the downsides of having a whole ridiculously high capacities on a per cartridge basis is that you don't need as many tapes. In our business, I would say that the data vaults uh, as well 
the value of a single tape is so much higher than it used to be because it has so much information on it. Right, yeah. That That's an important thing for us to consider as we develop products and, and whatnot. You guys are also, I noticed, looking at your website and seeing at a couple of conferences, hard drive cases have, you, you've added those to your line. Are there a lot more people storing hard drives now and sending them off-site? Is that something you're seeing in your own analytics? Absolutely. It's the it's the biggest growth area uh, we've had in the last three years. I mean, we started out with one case that you could put, you know, sort of an external hard drive in because people had one at, at work and wanted to bring it home. Right. And now data centers are sending 20, 30, 40 drives, you know, into rotations uh, like they did tapes. Right. And, right. you know, the numbers... I don't think we're ever going to get to be the same on a per-unit basis as tapes, but we now have hard drives that hold 1, 2, 5, 10, 20, 30, 3.5-inch hard drives, and then all the way up to 85 2.5-inch hard drives. So, yeah, quite a bit of expansion, both in the breadth of the product line, if you will, and then, of course, just the pure units going out the door. Yeah. That leads to, to me, this whole value of the actual data. And I, I know in your particular business, it's really important that you protect that data, that tape, that hard drive. Uh, and that's integral to what you're doing. But because you see so much of this happening, where do you think companies are making mistakes in the actual handling of tape and backup media related to the protection of the data on those tapes? It's interesting because it's, it's not that complicated to know what is harmful to media. It's the same stuff that it was when I started, you know, back in 87. It's, it's debris. It's uh, physical impact, shaking, rattling, dropping, those types of things. And then it's the uh, temperature and humidity damage caused by extremes, right? Changes right. in temperature and humidity. And that's, right. that's been the same really forever in tape. What, what isn't trivial is trying to figure out the trade-offs between making a case that people can afford, making a case that isn't heavy, making a case that is easy to open and close, that doesn't rust, that doesn't use debris-generating particles. And, for instance, things that are good for impact protection, like foam, aren't good for debris. Hmm. So there, you know, there's all these sort of design trade-offs. So you know, that's where it gets tricky, but it's just those basic, good old-fashioned, you know, the, the same techniques that you've needed forever. Just don't drop cartridges. Don't <laughs> rattle them around. Right. Don't expose them to debris. We used to, back then, we used to talk about no smoking in the data center, if you can imagine that. Yeah. Because the smoke would create dust. It hasn't changed So it really that hasn't changed that, even first. with the evolution of tape and the evolution of, of containers and cases to hold them, it still goes back to the same same stuff that's been consistent all along. It has. It yeah. is. Now, and two things have happened, right? One is the tapes are so much more dense, so the data is so much closer together that a smaller piece of debris or a smaller hmm. amount of physical damage to the tape can cause more problems. But the manufacturers have also done things to make you know, the drives more dependable and the tapes more dependable and more readable and air correction and all those things. So you know, both work together. But, but fundamentally, it's people just not realizing that because this is in a hard shell doesn't mean you can just throw it around and, and drop it and pick it up and 
So, so there's there's a huge aspect uh, that continues to be the case of good and effective training, knowing what's you know the the extreme value of what's in there and the handling. Handling still seems to be pretty much everything. You know, I I think it is. Yeah. It's it's understanding. Uh, it's doing. When I see, I guess maybe an easy way to put it, when I see what what companies, what Vault and Record Center companies do along the chain of custody. Mm-hmm. And all the incredible work and money and time that is spent getting that correct, which yeah. is for a very good reason. Sometimes there isn't quite as much spent on making sure that the data is there. So it's great to get the, the the tapes back or wherever to the, where they're supposed to be. But if you can't read the data on them, you're still lost, right? And guess what? Everybody looks bad. Yeah, yeah. So in the end, it's protecting that data spending the extra time to make sure that you're doing the right things on protecting the data. Maybe a good way to put it is I'd hate to see customers do all the right things, getting the data to the right place and, and, and whatnot. And then maybe not doing a couple little things like, you know, storing tapes in tubs, right? We've all, I bet every, you know, every record center I've ever been in has some percentage. It's smaller than it used to be, but, of tapes just stored in tubs that you get at Target. Right. That just, gal, <laughs> that's just not good enough anymore, right? And right. It, it just honestly isn't. Yeah. In terms of your perspective, is there a recurring fear you have as you look at the data and media marketplace in the the years ahead, given that you said four years ago, there seemed to be a blip and the pendulum is swinging back. Are there other things that as a manufacturer in this environment that might also be helpful to people who are in the business? Are there fears you have of the future? Does your crystal ball ever light up and go and make you you freak out a little bit? You know, I don't, you know, I'm, Hey, I fear nothing, Tom. Um, (laughs) I wish that were true, but, uh, Here's the overwhelming thing that allows me to sleep at night. The amount of data we produce goes up every month, every quarter, every year by, you know, insane percentages. All that data has to go somewhere. Right. And if you're in the business of protecting that data, boy, it's it's hard for me to believe there's not going to be opportunity in this market. Yeah. So if somebody was asking your perspective as someone selling products to this tape and media world. Uh, if they were asking your advice on starting a commercial media vault, what might you tell them? Well, I mean, there's a whole bunch about those roles that I, you know, wouldn't consider myself an expert on that obviously, uh, you know, I wouldn't feel good giving them advice on. <laughs> but I would say that the record center people that I see that seem to have the most success really do understand the technical side, the data side. Uh, you know, what's the difference between backup and archive? And mm. why would someone want to back up on a hard drive versus a tape? Right. So you don't need to be an IT expert, but you do have to have an understanding of where is this data coming from? Why does it matter? What's important about making this data available very quickly and, and those types of things? Hmm. But it's not from your perspective, it's not a bad business to get into still, it seems to me. Boy, I I wouldn't think so. Yeah. You know, I've, I've never looked at the books of a, a record center or data vault, So, I'm, but the need to protect data and organize data is not going away. Yeah. 
No yeah. way. Cool. What's the coolest thing a turtle case has ever been used for? And, and maybe I'll, I'll give you my own story just because uh, for years I've been coming to the conferences both before I moved into more of a consulting role and back when I, I owned a record center and remember getting a turtle case. And uh, I remember the first year I got a turtle case. This was all oh, back when my kids were pretty young, actually. And I took it home and, and they took it to school as a lunchbox because they I really thought it was cool to have a cool lunchbox. And so they took their, you know, their turtle case as a lunchbox. What other really cool and innovative things have you heard about turtle cases being used for? Well, it's funny. Personally, gosh, you know, my, I've got two kids in college, and I sent them both to college using a little plain interior turtle case with, like, five basic tools, right? A couple screwdrivers and a pliers <laughs> and a hammer. So right. I guess the toolbox thing, I haven't ever used it for a tackle box yet, but the most bizarre was in India, yeah, and they were transporting urine and blood samples oh. in turtle cases in a, in a cooler, in a little pouch with ice, yeah, and they send them out you know they would take the the samples out in the field and they had to get back to the to the lab in you know less than 12 hours or whatever it was and and cooled so we had created this little ice waterproof pouch that went in the case and and they actually transported samples back That's and forth. so cool well if you could go back to 2004 when you and alan purchased the Permastore company and you could give yourself advice based on all you know today what advice would you give yourself you know, probably the the biggest thing is to continue to innovate, hmm. right? I mean, it's it's real easy to, you know, you could say, you look at a, a case now, you know, we've developed a whole new line of, of waterproof cases here in the last uh, year and a half. But I mean, generally, if, if you just looked at our booth at the PRISM conference from seven years ago, our booth wouldn't look all that different. Right. And yet... The insides of those products are different, and the you know the way we protect tape is different. So I'd say continue to innovate. Listen to your customers, right? Mm-hmm. Always do the right thing, hmm. and probably concentrate on relationships. And in my mind, it's one of the things I love about Prism. You know, you go to you go to a trade show at Prism, and people are willing to talk to you. Yeah. Yes. They, they actually want to. You're not just standing there by your booth, you know, while people walk by trying to avoid making eye contact. <laughs> you know, it's true. I mean, that's what trade shows are like a lot of the time, yeah. right? Yeah. Boy, I've just found that, you know, it all comes down to people, and that's obviously true in, in any business, not just uh, not just turtle cases, that's for sure. Very cool. Well, thanks for being good people, Ken. It's uh, it, I, I appreciate the role you play in the industry and the investment you make in it. And I, I, I was really interested today to hear some of your perspectives on, on how you see the industry and what's happening. And so thanks for the time you've spent with us. It's uh, It's been worth uh, talking to you. And uh, we'll make sure that people have links back to you, but we'll see you at the next conference. Hey, will do. Tom, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm flattered that, uh, that you care. All right. Thanks. Well, there you have it. Another interesting perspective today. Special thanks to Ken Schneider for joining us. And uh, I want to thank you as well for stopping by. I appreciate you being here. If all things work out, we'll have Richard Reese on the show next week. And I'm uh, really looking forward to that. If you want to add your appreciation or words of encouragement to Richard, check out the sidebar on the RIM Pro Report website today. 
Finally, special thanks to our sponsor, O'Neill Software. If you're on your way to Nashville this weekend, be sure to catch them at their booth there. If not, you can always learn more about them, their software, and the many cool things they are doing at O'NeillSoft.com. That's it for us. Have a great weekend. We are out of here. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Inc. Join us again soon.